two, one. Delighted to be joined by Limerick Senior Herder and Sean Finn. Um, I suppose looking back to last weekend, we didn't think all the stairs would be on last weekend, but the way Sean and what was it? What's it like to pick up an all star? Everyone says it's a bonus and it's all really about the team at the end of the day. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, it's, it's fantastic to get recognition for us about the work you put in over the year, but I suppose work you put in over last 15 years or so as well because as I started the year as I heard John Milan come out last week and said they're not things that you write down at the start of the year that you want to achieve you want to win in cups and medals and, and, and at the end of the day that's all that matters but look at the end of the day they're individual awards and it's great to get recognised for them um, someone actually said it to me recently that the All-Star Awards and aren't as what they used to be but I suppose in Limerick it look back three years ago, you'd have very few All-Star Awards coming to Limerick or you'd have very few medals coming to Limerick. So just funny how, how the expectations and I suppose how people view these um, these awards when they're they're coming so frequently and, and a lot of Limerick people are getting them at the moment. So and look, it's fantastic to get recognised for them. Um, and it's great for my family as well. They're absolutely delighted and the club as well, of course. Was it was obviously very different looking on from home to seeing whether you were going to make the All Star team or not. Yeah, um, I sp- yeah, it was not. Well, like I've been to the awards and it's, they're a great night and typically they're a weekend thing, um, when they're Friday, Saturday, and after the Sunday. So to spend it at home with my family, I really enjoyed it. And I was sp- speaking to Gord Hegarty recently, and he was saying he really enjoyed it as well. It was nice to. Because it's a big moment for our family, you know, it's great for my father, who's delighted, my mother. Um, and it was nice to, to be able to enjoy it with them because typically you wouldn't be, you would be kind of engrossed with all the different players and whoever's at the event. So it was really, really nice and they really enjoyed it. My mother had the bottle of wine open an hour before the awards, um, before I was ever called out. So I was under a massive pressure to be called out. So yeah, she was, uh, she was confident, but you just don't know until, until the awards are given out or announced. Absolutely, and 2021, a fantastic year for Limerick, but to be playing with no crowds and everything that went on in 2021, how did you find it? I found it fine. I, I mentioned it after the first game, it was quite strange when you're on Turles and the weather and fields aren't as nice as you're typically used to playing in championship weather. Um and after the first game, I, I think it just became normal. Uh, it was good to be able to talk to lads out the field. Typically, you wouldn't be able to get to do that. But after the first game, it was it was the very same. Um, I suppose in one sense, you'd be able to take direction a bit easier. Um, you could hear Nicky or you could hear the sideline directing you to do things that you mightn't be doing on the field. So in that sense, it was there was pros and cons. But of course, you'd like to see crowds going back. Um, the adrenaline. Um, and if I suppose even the crowds there they keep you on edge the month sense um, in comparison to when there's no crowds and it's, and it's quiet so look it, after the first game it was it was the very same as what is usual again yeah and like driving in your cars to matches and stuff was, was that hard in one sense if you were driving by yourself because you might be thinking about the game a bit too much 
Um, yeah, we I suppose for the first couple of games we drove ourselves, and it was a big change because you're out of your routine. It's just something you have to get in order as well, because um, obviously being in a routine pre-game is is very important, so that you know you've your boxes ticked and and you're ready when you're going to the field now for the game or whatever. But I suppose I'm I'm used to sleeping on the way to a game on the bus, so <laughs> I couldn't sleep at the wheel of the car. So that was a change. Um, even I suppose even going down to Cork the time we played tip the weather was horrendous and to drive down on your own in a storm and knowing you have to go play a game and drive home in that storm again it was it was different it was different but we we just had to do it we had to get on with it it was for the better of the team um, and everyone accepted that we are lucky I suppose to get the train up um, social distance for the final and it worked really well but. Look, we were we were willing to do anything. Um, if we had to walk to the games separately, we'd have done it uh, last year just to get out into the field, um, and it, it was it was fine. Yeah. Was there some sort of a privilege you felt being able to play? I suppose being able to go training when everyone was blocked up to have some sort of a social aspect as well. Yeah, um, it's been touched on quite a lot over the last couple of months, and. We were very lucky in, in, in that we could go meet 35 to 40 of our closest friends um, three times a week in the evening. And that is quite, I suppose, it's hard to appreciate that when you're, when you're doing it. But when you're taken away from that for a couple of months during lockdown, you're not meeting people, and you're not meeting your buddies, um, you see the value in that. So it, it, we are very privileged in that sense. And look, for us to be you now playing, of course, it was important for us to compete, but it gave so much to people in Limerick, it gave so much to the people of the country to be able to look forward of a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to the weekend, um, to chat to different colleagues at work and a bit of slagging that goes on between different counties and different offices. Um, that in itself was was so great about the GA this year and that it gave some people around the country to look forward to uh, and some excitement for during the lockdown when things were, were bleak and the evenings were getting darker. Um, I think that was a huge benefit and, and a huge privilege that we could give to someone and we could give to people that we were providing entertainment and something to look forward to. So I think that was that was massive. And when you lost to Kilkenny in 2019 in the semi-final, um, there must have been a huge amount of work put into the pre-season. I've heard about the work you were putting in in November and December for the 2020 season to be ready. Yeah, um, and I suppose it's a, that Kilkenny game could stand and we could be talking about that in 10, 15 years time. But it, in essence, we we performed well for 50 minutes of that game. It was just the first 20, 25 minutes. We underperformed and Kilkenny, Kilkenny were quite exceptional in that first half. But with 10 minutes ago, we were still in the game and we ended up losing by a point. So, like, it wasn't that we fell asunder for the game. It's just that those 20 minutes cost us the, the whole year. And we addressed that after the game, and we addressed that at the preceding couple of months later, just so that when we got into that position again 12 months' time, when we knew we would be there, that that wouldn't be the focus and that wouldn't be our attention, that when we were at this stage last year, we didn't perform and we let ourselves down. So we addressed it. We addressed the issues that arose that day. Um, took massive learning from it, huge learning from from that uh, game. And at the end of the day, like essentially, we 
okay, we've underperformed for 20 minutes, but we were still there, thereabouts. And I think you can even accept that that was a massive, massive performance from them um, in terms of tackling, intensity rates. Um, it was a huge performance from them. And to be able to replicate that in the final was going to be a tall order against Tipperary, especially being down to 14 men for Kilkenny. But if we addressed what happened in that game, um, and subsequently 12 months later when we played Galway, it didn't happen. And we've done a lot of work in pre-season, but nothing that would have changed what we usually would have done. We wouldn't have looked at that game and said we needed to do more. We just needed to tidy up a few things. You know, it wasn't, we are still training hard, trained hard every week we were training, but it wasn't that we changed anything. We just addressed it um, and took huge learning from it. Um, but yeah, I think we could be looking back on that game in 10 years time thinking what could have been um, for that 20 minutes. And in 2020, when you go the full year unbeaten in Munster League, League, Munster Championship and the All-Ireland Championship, of course, and looking back at that and I was saying it's an unbelievable achievement because very few teams have went unbeaten throughout the full year. Uh, to be honest, no, I, I don't really look at it and say, geez, that was incredible. Um, maybe again, in, in, when the career is over and you're looking back and, and these great times and how successful we were in, in those couple of years, um, you might say, geez, that was fantastic to go a year unbeaten. But when you're, when you're playing, you don't necessarily look at it like that. You're looking at the next game, whether it's a 15 or 15 game at the weekend when there's no match on, or there's a league game or a championship game, you're just continually looking to the weekend and your attention is completely on that. And I would have never, I don't think I actually even heard of the unbeaten run until after the All-Ireland final. Um, albeit it was a short campaign, it was still a long year. It was probably a 12-month year, really. Um, but I, I actually didn't even notice it was 13 games unbeaten. Um, but as a player, you don't, as I said, you're always looking to the next game um, and you want to win every game. As I said, if it's a 15 versus 15, a league game, and you're not looking back to say, oh, we lost that one, though. And look, if you do, if we do lose games and we will lose games in the future, you just have to learn from them. Um, but yeah, it wasn't something that I dawned upon it. But look, it was, it was a great achievement um, to be able to carry that momentum that we had from the league uh, in February, March last year to September, October this year, and to maintain that level of performance, although in the championship, people could argue that we didn't hit the performances levels that they expected of us, but we knew ourselves we were progressively improving. We were still hitting a standard that was capable of beating other teams, but we knew we had loads in us. Um, and I think that performance that was in the final reflected what we expected of ourselves. And I think it really showed what people expected of us as well. And I think that was, if you look back in the campaign, I think that performance in the All-Ireland Final was the most satisfying element of the whole year that we actually went to the All-Ireland Final and performed to a level that was satisfactory for us as a, as a team and to meet the expectations that we met, that we set ourselves um, in that final was, was hugely satisfying. And with, within the Limerick training, it must be a hugely competitive environment with the panel you have. And like even the training itself must be hugely challenging physically and mentally because everyone's looking to constantly improve themselves every day. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I suppose Paul Knirk, and we'll all be and know how good he is. We train to a level that is exceeding what you'd expect in, in championship games. So we're always being exposed to that intensity 
that I suppose grueling couple of minutes where you're under pressure and the chat last week about those game-based approach obviously Paul focuses solely and mainly on, on that um, training method but um, yeah like yeah I suppose like we're, we're training we're training hard and you can see even when we were set back with with Barry Nash this year or sorry Mike Casey and Richie English this year we were looking over our shoulders and say who's going to step up and you see how well the lads done when they came in, Richie or Barry and, and Dan. And even Aaron Costello was there, who unluckily on his side, he got injured a week before the Clare game and was all set to be starting. Um, you've great guys like Jerome Boylan as well. You've guys like Mark Finlan who's there. And you could argue that a lot of these fellas could step in um, and know none of our positions, whether it be in the full back line, half back line or further up the field, is safe. And Look, I often see Richie English and, and Barry Nash out in the field earlier than other lads, whether it be 40 minutes for a game, or sorry, 40 minutes for a training session. And that encourages, I suppose that encourages me then to go out into the field 40 minutes earlier because I see them doing it and I want to, to start. And if they're doing it, then I should be doing it in order to, to keep ahead. Um, and look, that's, that's the standards that they set. As a result, it's contagious. And as a result, everyone else buys in and you see a lot of lads out 40 minutes or an hour before, before training sessions. So like there's huge competition in the forwards, especially you see guys that would make any inter-county team. Peter Casey, for example, you could argue he's the best hurler on the, on the, on the Limer team. Um, and he's the hardest guy that I have marked in a long, long time. And I find him really difficult to mark and see him not starting um, is is, and but for look, if I'm at the other side of the field and I see Peter Casey come down with 20 minutes to go, I wouldn't like to be on the receiving end of it or to be the other corner back. I can rest assured and, and tell you that. But like the, the competition is, is increasing every time, and you just have to perform and, and make sure you don't get injured. Um, and so that it gives you an opportunity to be in that um conversation when the RP continues. And you mentioned there like players going 40 minutes before training. Is that just every player looking to get the that bit an extra edge? Um, I, I, I suppose it is. It's the nature of player as well and the nature of lads that are involved in the setup. Um, their standards set that players expect of themselves and they know what it takes to make, be a better player. And at that, if you're on a field 40 minutes for training every, every evening, all those margin gains add up to be, and, and it add up to be a huge improvement in the players performance and skill set um but that then is contagious you see you might only start off with a number of lads going out um doing that extra bit but once we see other lads doing it of course you're going to be encouraged to go out and join them um and to be seen to to be working on your skills and, and improving yourself and but look it's, it's it's a lot easier to do that when you know your success you're go you're you're going to be in with a chance of winning all Ireland's monster championships. That wasn't always the case three or four years ago when we were struggling. Um, like it, it, it wasn't like it was always like this. You know, there's teams there and I heard recently, like it's, a, and Dan Morrissey spoke of it recently, that it's a lot easier for us to come back this year and over the last couple of years when we know we're going to be able to an opportunity at the end of the year. But to go back when you, you, you might be in a lower division and, and struggling and, you just mightn't 
really trust in your setup, that's when it's difficult to go back. And that's when it's difficult to, to go back trainers. That's when it's hard to, to go out and really work on your individual skills before training and stuff. But look, it wasn't always like that. But the standards that have been set in the, in the setup of the last three or four years have really um, made that habitual for a lot of players to, to really focus on the extra bits that they do themselves. And you mentioned the game-based approach with Paul Connery. Hugely challenging and huge intensity in it, but there must be some sort of an enjoyable aspect for players being in them scenarios testing themselves. Yeah, um, of course, like these sessions are, are completely focused on scenarios that we're going to get exposed to um, in games. And I suppose now we can we have the ability to fine-tune that to to expose ourselves to scenarios that a certain team is going to pose to us, um, whether it's a, a Watford or a Tipperary, depending on how they set up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, a lot of the drills he, do, he does are, are really challenging, but, and they expose the full back line uh, and put us in scenarios that really question us. And, and at the end of the day, you're marking the best forwards in the, in the country, in my opinion, every day you go training. So look, that exposure to those challenging situations, marking the best players in the country, inevitably is going to make me a better player over the long run. You know, I'm marking Aaron Galan, Shane Flanagan, and Peter Casey and Graham O'Kahey three days a week. Of course, I'm going to improve. You know, and join that with the genius that is Paul Kinnerk and, and the skills and the, and the trainings that he does lay out for us. Um, Look, it's, it's going to improve me as a player, but it's going to improve the team as well and those pe- players that are looking to, to break onto the team. And, like, the games he played throughout the year, um, terrific performances against um, Clare and Tipperary. But did you feel yourself there was an underperformance in the Munster final and against Galway? Um, well, yeah, there was an element of, do you know what, we can be better here and I think every time you go out you can you can feel like you could have done things better when you look back in the game but of course in the Munster final um, going into that game a lot of the attention was on us and us going to steamroll Waterford in and that they weren't worthy of being in that Munster championship final and a lot of the attention was on Cork and how poor they were when they played Waterford but that was completely um, false in that we knew how good Waterford were we knew the questions they posed in terms of carrying the ball, the great good forwards, they're really, they're really fit, really fit team. Um, but I think after the Munster final, there was a sense of, there was a sense of that we didn't perform to the level that we wanted to that day. Um, and although we 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 won by three or four points, we really underperformed in the third quarter that game. And it was we referred back and we looked looked at what we could take from that. Um, but then when you like, of course, we underperformed that day, but we still got to a level that was capable of beating a team that like subsequently went to the All Ireland final and, and challenged us there. So they're one of the top teams in the country. So we did get to a performance, albeit below par, that was capable of beating them. But then you went to the Galway game, and I think we did perform that day, but it was a different sort of game. It was it showed a, a, a more dogged side of our play and look teams need to be able to win that way and we did that day so um again Galway are, are a great team they're they're not in semi-finals 
for no reason over the last couple of years and in finals and winning finals. So I think we, we, we were better against Galway, by no means where we wanted to be. But I, we, we took huge satisfaction in how we actually dug that victory out um, that day. It was a, it was a real hard-fought battle. Um, and look, semi-finals are there to be won as well. Um, no matter how, how you win them, you just got to win them, yeah. And with the final with Waterford, the preparation like up to that game, was it more of a relaxed environment did you feel going into the final with no crowds and not mm. as much build-up and everything? Absolutely. Um, when you compare it to 2018 and the mayhem that that brought with you know, even the 45 years um, prior to winning it in 2018, and even ticket sales, not having to deal with tickets, not having to deal with people talking about their, my buddy's talking about the bus and, and the cans are going to be drinking on the way up to the, <laughs> to the, to the game. So you're, they're not listening to any of that. To be honest, two days before the game, you wouldn't even know it in all Ireland final. Um, and in one sense, that was nice. It was, it was nice to be able to, to relax and not really have to be involved in the occasion as such and not having to be dealing with all those distractions and your whole focus could completely be on um, the all and final. And that all and final was essentially the same as the 15v15 um, that we would have had the, the week before and that it was just different jerseys. There was Waterford jerseys on other than bibs. Um, there was no crowds there, very small people, very few people in the stand. And that's what it was. And, and I suppose in one sense, that was nice. But of course, you're going to want the crowds. You want the roar of 80, 85,000 people. I want to see my friends going up on a, on a bus to, to go back or to Turles and, and enjoying the, the buzz that is much championship and, and not Ireland uh, championship. So it was nice to not have distractions, but would I take those distractions to have 80,000 people in the crowd, I, I, of course I would. And the performance itself, like, it was just one of those days really where everything went right for you, distribution, your possession with the ball, your intensity, like, you must take huge satisfaction when you do look back at the final. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It was hugely satisfying, no idea. Like, we've goals we, that we want to hit, hit, and I think there was people screaming out for those targets um, for weeks after and, and for a couple of days after, even an hour after the game they were looking for them. So that performance in itself was hugely satisfying. We knew we had that in us um, and we knew that if we, if we got to that level of performance and that intensity that it would take a huge performance from, uh, from Waterford to stop us that day and it did come together Albeit it took time, it took time to wear them down. They were only three points down at half time, and we really performed well in the first half. Um, but I just think we took charge over the next 10 minutes of the first of the second half, the first 10 minutes of the second half, and took, o- took over for those um, those 10 minutes. And that probably won us the game those 10 minutes, those 10 15 minutes. And we were really in a comfortable place and 10 to 10 minutes to go. Um, but yeah, it was it was hugely satisfying, it was a really good performance. The, carrying the ball through the lines, the ball stuck to hand. There was lads shooting efficiency was really good. Um, defensively, we were strong, we were aggressive, and, and intense intensity levels were, were hit. So look, it's pity that goal, that Keane, uh, that goal in the first half, that run. It's pity that didn't go in. It would it would have been a great goal to look back and say how incredible it was. Um, just the way it was played up all through the line. Um, but yeah, if I had to take one thing from the other final, I'd be disappointed that that goal didn't go in. 
And like the last 10 minutes when you're ahead um, quite comfortably, would you find it hard at any stage just to stay focused because was was would you were you thinking of 2018 when you were that oh, yeah yeah it's uh it's funny like uh, I suppose there was only I think there was three minutes three or four minutes in the in the final which is absolutely nothing when you compare 2018 eight minutes and even the Galway game the semi-final was nine minutes and Jesus when you see nine minutes going up on the clock it's a a long time, you know, um, when you're trying to maintain a lead, it's obviously to defend it as well. But um, look, three minutes, we were, I don't know what we up with three minutes to go. Um, I think it could have been six points, I'm not too sure, but three minutes is a short time. Um, and you can never relax, you can never relax. And, and we can, we, we learned that lesson in 2018. You can't, it's, you'd love to say you could enjoy the last couple of minutes. Um, having a lead of such uh but no i couldn't relax until the wet the, the whistle was blown i just i wouldn't be able to i just wouldn't be able to because i wouldn't let myself down oh i couldn't even think or talk about what how disappointed i would be if we if we let that slip um due to lack of concentration and focus and you mentioned goals that you do set that you want to reach is that goal both individually and collectively yeah of course like all teams around the country that have their own goals that have their own standards they want to hit um but yeah you can look at yourself as well and draw each player plays a massive part in that system and plays a huge role in in, in achieving the goals of the team so you do have to look at, at the, the targets you want you want to hit yourself but i think those targets are set over the campaign over the year set out the, what your stall at the start of the year and what you want to do individually and how you're going to become a better player and I suppose how you're going to contribute as much as you possibly can for the team. And I think all those play, all players will have those themselves and I think all players will know what they need to focus on um, when they look back on a, on a year gone by, whether that be, I suppose, their striking, their touch, their fitness, strength. Um, or injury prevention, like you, you just have to be in a position where you're in that conversation to be selected. Um, so yeah, you'd have your own individual goals and individual standards, which which will inevitably then improve the team and help them achieve what they want to, what the team wants to wants to achieve. But yeah, there are things I would have said I was at the start of the year and I must address once this campaign begins. And you mentioned their individual goals. Is it quite simply just writing it down and you? look back to it every now and again throughout the year? I, I think so. Look, we, we deal a lot with, obviously, Karen Carr's name would be mentioned quite a lot and how significant a part she plays in, in our success over the last two or three years. Um, you'd have conversations with Caroline. Um, you'd, have, you'd write them down in a notebook that you'd have and you'd bring to all those meetings. And I suppose writing them down makes them real. Um, and you're responsible for achieving those. And you can either look back at them and say, Gene, I didn't do that. Or you can look back and tick them off and say, look, I've, I've done that. I've become a better player as a result of that. Um, and just to write them down makes them more real, I think. But you would have conversations with Caroline on what you want to achieve and how you can maybe become a better player. But it begin to enjoy the process as well a bit more. Um, oftentimes, you can be in an environment that is so successful but you could be so tied up in that that you forget to enjoy what you're doing and um yeah i think it's 
I think that's an important uh, element of what we're about now and where we are as a team. That the enjoyment is it's so enjoyable to be involved with us at the moment, um, whether it be in the management team, ourselves. Um, I think that, that is contagious as well. And people, and it, has, it wasn't always like this. And of course, it's easier to enjoy it when, again, you know you're going to be at a level that is competitive. Um, like three or four years ago, when you look back, and I'm sure we were dreading to go back pre-season um, in November, December, when you hadn't the confidence to know that you were going to be competing for Monster Championship and Monster and All-Ireland Finals, you know. But I think that comes as a result of success, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable at the moment, it really is. And Caroline Gerard, you mentioned her there. Like, what does she do for you as players? Because nearly every interview she's getting referenced of how much of a bonus it is for the Limerick senior earlers to have her involved. Yeah, she, um, she's like a mother figure to us, really. Um, uh, she, I suppose. She has a genuine nature about her, really caring and really genuine person. And I suppose the trust we have in her is, is so important as well, you know. Um, there's a lot of sports psychologists that will come into a group and if you don't trust what they're doing or you don't trust what they're saying, what they're saying doesn't carry weight, you know. Um, I think that's so so significant with Carolyn is that we trust every word that comes out of her mouth. And, and it, that's because she, she backs it up, you know. Um, she backs up what she's saying. We trust her. She's she's genuine, um, and the players really know that. And you can really feel it after even the minute you, you if you met her for the first time, you'd know you notice that um, that about her. But look, it, it's up to the player to buy into to that element of the game as well, sports psychology. Um, not everyone's interested in it. Not everyone uh, buys into it. Um, so you need players to 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 buy into it. But, Look, if it's not for everyone, if it, if it helps a number of players in the team, I know Claude Hegarty focuses a lot on it and he's shown the, the, the impact it has on his game and his, his performances. But uh, it's not for everyone, but if it improves uh, a number of us a small bit marginally, um, it makes us a better team. But yeah, she's, she's incredible. She really, really is. And I couldn't speak highly of her. Do you think there's more made out of the Limerick game plan than what it actually is? Um, do I, I think, I, um, is that from the media? I suppose it is. Look, they, they have to talk about something. Um, but yeah, there's a system in place and every team has a system and how they want to set up. But it never comes down to the players that are playing in that system then to, to be able to implement it and, and be adaptable when scenarios are posed and questions are asked of them um, from other teams. So, like, you, you have your process, but you have to be able to, to adapt to when things aren't going right, whether that means carry the ball. Um, and you have to play to condition through whether carry the ball against the wind, see a high press, then use the ball. So, I suppose, being that you have your system in place, but it's important to be able to adapt. And I think that's what we're really good at at the moment, in, is being able to adapt to things that are being thrown at us and to be able to recognise them on field. Um, as players is is important too to be able to recognise okay this is happening here we need to do something about it and to be able to communicate communicate that to the players around the field but I think players automatically recognise that um, as well and I think that that is a, a major difference all players and all teams have their system and process it's just when you 
having the players to, to implement that and to execute the skills of the, of the game to, to a level that will get you to, to, and to get you and beat other teams um, is probably where the difference is. Um, having the players to be able to execute the system and the process is, is probably the difference, in my opinion. And two men hugely central throughout the year to system, Tom Morrissey and Gareth Hegarty, like the work they were going through and the scores you, they were getting, like when you're looking on from that, like the performances they were putting in all year were just insane. Oh, yeah. And, and Tom has got some such important scores for us over the years. Um, and especially this year, like whenever you see him going over the left hand side, and running down the line, he's nearly always going over the bar on his left-hand side. And that does, it doesn't happen. You see Tom out an hour before trains doing that shooting. Like, it's, it's, he's, he's literally come from the training pitch to the field. You know, what he has focused on is now being executed on the field at the highest level. So that's just a, a reflection of the work he has put in. But even as a as a team member, the work he gets through in the half-back line around the middle of the field and to be able to carry the ball up and, and to win ball in, in his own half-forward line and, and full-forward line is a testament of the work he gets through and, and the condition he is in. And that's be, I speak for Grohl as well. I suppose Grohl gets into positions that you wonder how he's ever getting in there. Um, and to, to have him on your team on a 15 versus 15 game is, you know he's going to pick off a couple of scores. Um, I don't know he's marking Kyle Hayes in the game uh, coming up to the all and final and Kyle got two goals at halftime uh, uh, before halftime and Grohl came in and he was wondering who was marking Kyle and <laughs> it was actually Grohl that was marking him that should have been should have been <laughs> picking him up so um, I get that on Grohl but look it's a, it's a, the work Tom and Grohl get through is, is quite incredible um, the fitness levels that they show and just their, their willingness to get through that work um, for the team and you see the rewards that they're getting from it um, they're getting in positions they're, they're getting the break of balls and getting scores in games um, but their contribution especially in the Ireland final between them was, was incredible This year like one of the key successes the versatility of the players like you mentioned Barry Nash and Dan Marcy going into the full back line usually playing in the half back line Kyle Hayes moving back Keen Lynch to centre forward, it's just shown like a lot of players in this team can really play anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's become that's come down to both being adaptable. Um, and if you had Dan, if, if those lads never went into the full back line, there was lads to step up for them, there was lads to step into those positions and do a job for us. But yeah, it's it, we're, we're adaptable in that sense, but um. Yeah, the lads done a really, really good job. And to, it was a pleasure to be playing alongside them. You'd have such confidence in Dan in fullback and, and Barry on the ball as well. He's really, really good on the ball. Um, Decision-making is really good, but Dan is just so solid as well in the fullback. Um, if he was fullback, full forward, he's going to do a job for you. And you could tell him to do anything and he would do it for you. Um, he's that sort of guy. And so I suppose you can trust him to do anything, anything you ask him to. But Keane Keen is a player that could play anywhere as well. I think Keane played centre back for a couple of a couple of months, um, a couple of years ago under twenty one, and yeah, they're the type of guys like they, they can play anywhere. They're just hurling, hurling men. They're not made for one position. They can they can move anywhere, and that's that's applicable to a lot of other players. Maybe not me, but 
um, a lot of players around the, around the, the, the Limerick setup. And like across the media now, you're being compared to the Kenny teams uh, when two All Ireland in three years. Would do you just ignore that as players really? Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't come into my head um, at all, Paul. And and I suppose in one sense, you, you take what's happening now, you don't really recognise how how great it is um, to be at this level and to be competing for all Ireland titles. A couple of years ago, it would be only in your wildest dreams to be win one in All-Ireland, but to be in the mix um, for the last three years is is quite incredible. So over a couple of years ago, look, it's it's funny how expectations change um, both from ourselves and, and supporters and people around the place. We could lose a game next year um, and it could be the downfall and there could be people saying that we've lost it and, and we're no longer the team we were 12 months ago. So... Look, it, it changes very quickly. Um, of course, when you're winning all Ireland in two and three years, people are going to say you're as great as if you can if you kind of get the team in the early 2000s or late 2000s. So that can change very quickly. I think we're aware of that as well. So it's, it, you just can't take too much notice of, of what is being said about us. We can only focus on ourselves and, and the performances and the standards that we set. And if we know that we perform to that level, we know we set and hit those goals and, and those standards that we will be in the mix. But... Um, yeah, look, that can change very quickly. Um, we lose a game next year and, and it could be a whole different narrative. And just looking before uh, the podcast last night, like the All Ireland under 21 winning teams in Limerick in 2014 and 2017, does it surprise you a bit like how much of them players have came through to seniors? In because, like, from under 21 seniors, probably one of the biggest amount of players coming through. Into senior setup. Um, does it surprise me? It doesn't. It doesn't at all. Actually, to be honest, like that team had high expectations of us um, at under fourteen, and that would have carried itself into into minor at twenty fourteen when we lost the minor final. But then you see we are competing at twenty one level, and then now at senior level. But those expectations were of us at that at that age. When player, when people knew in Limerick that we were a good team, um, and that they they knew there was something special in that group, and I suppose being involved in in the, the Limerick Academy at the at the time probably kept us in the loop as well. Probably set standards and formed the type of player that was going to be able to play and achieve success at senior level. So I suppose being in that setup for six years. I don't know, was it was five, six years, probably gave us a good grounding when it came to playing 21s and senior level. Um, we knew that the, the professionalism of that academy and that has only increased over the last couple of years um, and that inevitably carried on to senior level. But I don't think it's, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, just surprised me, of course, when we, we, it could have been in our wildest dreams when we look at 2017 to win in All-Ireland. Um, did I think we had the capacity to? Yes, I did in 2018. But look, you're always going to doubt and say, Jeannie, do we have enough? But obviously we, we did have enough and we do have enough and we know that. But um, it doesn't surprise me that I see the likes of there's so many involved. Um, you could nearly have Keen Lynch at under 16 playing senior hurling. He was that good at that age. So <laughs> I, was, I nearly was guaranteed he was going to be playing at some stage. 
And there really seems to be a huge bond between management and players. But for you, like, how special of a manager is John Collier? Yeah, John is a, he's a great man. Um, he's he has a great balance between um, I suppose getting to know players, but also knowing that I suppose knowing the line where it comes down to the team, you know. Um, but I think trust trust is a is a how how important that word is uh, can't be underestimated. You can't, I, we trust John with everything, um, the decisions he makes, the words that come out of his mouth, um, and that and that that applies to all management, whether it's Alan Cunningham, um, Mikey Kiley, Paul Connor, Caroline. Trust, I think, is a, is a huge, huge element to to how successful we are at the moment. Um, I trust what they're doing. They trust that when I go into the field or if our players go into the field, that we're going to give one hundred and ten percent, whether it's a match or or a training session. Um, yeah, I think I think the trust that we have on them is is the difference. Did you feel that tactics board helped you during the water break? Uh, the tactics. Uh, look, I, I probably does. I think he never be took. I think he, he subsequently took it away, um, because it got so much attention. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't. I didn't really see the the need to take it away or the the need to, to give out about it um, at the time. But look, it's it. Whether there's a tactic board or not, um, Paul is just so good at, at getting his message across to his players, um, and to be able to communicate what he wants and what he feels needs to be implemented, um, at a, at a certain time. That whether there's a board or not, it wouldn't really matter. Yeah, a lot of attention on that board at the time. <laughs> yeah, there was. And for your own preparation, like when you are making a top class corner forward. Would you study their game, or is it just literally focusing on your own game? No, not at all. I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't ever look at what a, another player does, whether they're predominantly left or right side, is their their movement. I wouldn't ever do that, and I've never have, and I don't think I ever will. Considering, I just wouldn't like to focus on on another player or to build them up um, too much, or give them too much, I suppose, credit or, or respect that. I don't like I feel as if I'm being exposed to the best forwards in the country on a weekly basis, three days a week in, in the lads that we have. So if I'm able to manage those lads, um I feel as if I, I'd be in a good place when I come to meet other players from other counties. So um I just trust my my instinct, uh, trust the skill set I have, trust that I have the work put in a training and, and look, there's gonna be times in games and all those playing in the full back line are there's going to be times when, when a player, no matter what caliber player he is, he's going to beat you out to a ball and, and you're just going to have to accept that you're going to have to let him get the ball. But then you have to rely on the skills of defending to block him down, hook him, I suppose, force him out in an area that would make it quite difficult to, to lay off a pass or to take a score. So, like, I trust the, the skills that I have at, and, and I have the work put in. But there is times when you're going to get exposed in scenarios to players and that could be a player at an inter-county level. It can be a player at a junior level uh, in club. There's going to be times when a player is going to get to bed every every so often. Um, and that is not a that's not a a blow to, to me. I just accept that that's going to happen. Um, but to go back to the point and saying, do I ever look at, at players from other counties? I don't. I, I I've never never have done. Um, and I trust in in my own skill set, and I trust that. 
considering I've been exposed to, to, to look to the caliber of player we have in Limerick, I feel that I'd be well prepared to, to mark any other player in the country. And the break has obviously been refreshing with players when the season did go on for so long, but is it hard now as players like with the uncertainty of the season again? Um, I, it's, I suppose we only finished up is this two months at this stage now. Um, so in that sense, it's, it's enjoyable. The break's enjoyable, but there comes a stage now where we have to really kind of begin to focus again on, on hurling because hopefully over the next couple of weeks we will back, get back training and the league campaign will start off. But if you were out of the, out of the season uh, in September, October, then there's a, a big gap between when you go back. There's, there's six months there before you go back training again. And that's difficult to go back to knowing that, I suppose, the levels of fitness that you had at that time probably have deteriorated to what they are now. Um, but it, it, as we can go back to that point, it's a lot easier for us to go back, um, considering we were successful last year and we'd be chomping at the bit to do the same this year. Um, but to go back in a, into a team where you don't really have a huge confidence in, in your setup, have huge confidence in being able to achieve um, the highest goal is that's that's when it's difficult you know um that's when it's difficult to go back training i can't wait to go back to the weather and the evenings is becoming to get longer um and again we're in a good place we're in a good place it, it, it's, it's important to enjoy the time off as well paul you know the two months the campaign is going to be long it's going to be another eight months of 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 training and matches so while you have the time it's very important to to take a step back from GA um, and and really enjoy the time off with, with your partner or your family or friends. Um, so And that's what I'm doing at the moment. So of course, I'll go back training and do my own bit. The nature of players at the moment are going to do a bit anyway, Paul, but really it's, it's, it's about enjoying the time off when you have it and when you're on, you're on. And how have you found the individual training yourself? Uh, <laughs> uh, I I couldn't say well I suppose at the moment we're not really doing anything uh, we're just taking a step back and again the nature of players that are involved at that level are going to do some sort of running some sort of gym work just for their own head um, not with the intention that okay I'm going to be playing GA uh, in a couple of weeks time it's just to do a bit of exercise like anyone else um, at the start of the lockdown last year I found it quite difficult Um well, for the first two or three weeks, I was jumping off it and hopping off the ground and said, "Gee, I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing." But as the weeks went on and and the lockdown went on a lot longer than we expected, that motivation and inspiration began to deteriorate, and it came a stage where I just dropped tools and and done nothing for a quite a long time. Whether I think it would have been a couple of months. Um, but then when you when you go back training, it doesn't take long for for guys like us to to get fit. Um. So when we do get back training, we had a couple of weeks to go back and do Harris Lager, five weeks training. And that got, got us to a level where we were going to be able to perform. So did I, did I jump and, and pumping weights and running every day for the last, or during the lockdown? Absolutely not. It, was, it wasn't, I'm not like that. I, I dropped tools for quite a long time and done nothing um, apart from the odd Zoom class or, or hit session. But um, I, I really do feel as if when you when you when you do get an opportunity to to relax and, and enjoy the downtime, you must you must take it, um, because the the season is long enough, and 
you'd be completely focused on GA uh, when that's the case. Absolutely. Well, thanks a million for your time, Sean Finn, and best of luck for the season ahead. Thanks, Bob.